This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson. And we're joined here with two special guests, Abby Bahar. He's the chairman and CEO of the Bahar Group, as well as Greg Evans. He's the president and broker of record of the Bahar Group. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Happy to be here. Now, tell us a little bit about the Bahar Group and who founded it. Uh, the brokerage is uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. So this is Avi speaking. The, the uh, brokerage was founded in 1992 by my parents, Yossi and Muriel Bahar. Uh, we now um, elegantly refer to them as, as the founder and foundress. And uh, they had spent years, for, for my father, uh, he, he was in real estate in Toronto uh, since 1968. So uh, after 24 years uh, being elsewhere, he decided, uh, with, with my mother's prompting, to go out on his own and, um, and opened a business uh, called the Bahar Group. And three years later, in 1995, I, I joined my parents uh, out of the house. And um, as I jokingly say, we, we, we tripled in size from a, a two-person operation to a three-person operation. I'm not sure if that's tripling, but uh, all of a sudden, it was, a, it was a real family business. We could talk a little bit more about where, where it's gone since then. Absolutely, absolutely. And Greg, when did you join uh, the Bahar Group? I actually joined in um, 2002. So I'm just coming up in a couple months to my 20th anniversary with the Bahar Group. Uh, I had been in the retail uh, restaurant business for six years prior to that, owned and operated a cool little place in Liberty Village from 95 to 2001, and then uh, transitioned into the commercial real estate side of the business uh, after meeting Avi and his uh, dad and mother at the time, uh, felt like it was the, the right environment for me to join. Uh, I had been, you know, meeting with all the other larger uh, brokerages, but felt the boutique environment was where I could thrive. And 20 years later, I'm happy to say, uh, I think I made the right choice. That's amazing. Now, what does the team look like today in terms of how many people um, work with the Bahar Group? We're up to about uh, 55 uh, people now, mostly uh, real estate uh, brokers and, and sales representatives, but with with a healthy administrative team, obviously. It had been a team that didn't exist back in uh, 1992, um, so it's, it's really grown quite a bit. And, and uh, you know, we're planning for for continued growth uh, in, in different uh, areas of the business. Excellent. Now, obviously, retail is part of what the Bahar Group does. Um, what other areas uh, is the company involved with in terms of uh, leasing and otherwise? Well, we like to say, I mean, certainly we're we're best known for our strength in retail, both on the landlord services side, as well as the tenant services side. Uh, less known for the advisory work we do in retail, but we often are engaged as consultants to developers when they're planning their mixed use projects or retail developments just um, on a very early stages. So as not to make retail an afterthought, as we like to say. But what we want to be best known for is not just retail. We want to be best known for our company culture and our character and our professionalism and our high business ethic and to be a really strong boutique team in all asset classes. So we've been building towards that. And we have a number of brokers on our team that focus on industrial, uh, office leasing, um, land development, multi-res, and really any asset class you can consider within commercial real estate. 
Terrific, terrific. Now, let's talk a little bit about retail in Canada. Um, what are we seeing uh, recently in terms of what, is there anything notable that the Bahar Group is noticing with retail as uh, we come out of the pandemic or in the summer and are moving into the fall? Well, the, the, it's a loaded question, Craig, because of, you know, largely because of the, the transformation that's happened, you know, in the world over the past uh, couple of years. And, um, you know, it changes almost daily. So, so I would say to me, one thing is we, we, we've stayed very, very active uh, and, and very positive over the past several years and, and, and stayed tuned in with what's happening, uh, not only in the retail market, but sort of the, you know, the global commercial real estate market. When it comes to retail, there, there was the obvious transition uh, to online that was that, that was accelerated um, as uh, you know as 2000 leading into 2001 um, hit, um, but but what we've noticed is uh, for all the vacancies that that uh, that we've seen, uh, you know, and we have a lot of listings. We have uh, nearly 400 listings just in in Ontario alone. Wow! Uh, but we we also represent uh, over 100 tenancies, mostly in retail. Uh, so so we've we've seen both sides of it. And, and we've seen those vacancies uh, getting filled up. There's, there's uh, been a lot of creativity behind the deals, uh, some, some creativity that we haven't seen before in order to uh, bring two parties together. Um, but, but deals are happening. And, uh, and I think the, the idea of staying active and staying positive has really been a theme that we've, we've adhered to uh, throughout the past few years and, and always. Um, the other trend that we've noticed, just trying to keep our finger on the pulse, is that uh, brick and mortar has has come back with, with a vengeance in many ways? Mm-hmm. Uh, this move, movement to online, which you know almost all of us participated in quite a bit, uh, you know, we we now see people getting back out really, really actively uh, and consuming and shopping and uh, and and truly embracing the retail environment. So that's pretty special to see, and uh, and I hope that that continues. I think it will. Mm-hmm. And going out to eat as well in restaurants. Absolutely. You know, when I talk about consuming, you know, food uh, and beverage is certainly a part of that. And, um, and we're, we're seeing that a lot. And as you know, we're, we're exceptionally active in, in the food and beverage uh, and the restaurant world, uh, both locally in Ontario, uh, nationally and, and internationally. So we're seeing a lot of activity and, and people want to get out there and socialize and, and eat and, and, and dine and, um, you know, and, and simply uh, be social. And are you seeing a difference between, say, um, downtown retail and suburban? I, I've heard that uh, just talking about f- food service business, uh, it's been almost difficult to find uh, retail space for a restaurant, especially one that's, say, purpose built, ready to go and has a drive through window. Uh, downtown is a little bit different. There's fewer workers downtown. I've noticed, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the suburban retail was actually hot over the past few years, uh, meaning that um, there was not a, a ton of vacancy that wasn't uh, being filled. But there, there's been a shift, in my mind, back to downtown now. We, we've been actively involved in, in, in many restaurant deals over the past two years. Downtown signature restaurants, chains, and, and then, of course, uh, the food halls that, uh, that we're involved with as well, where uh, we've, we've definitely seen some recent traction and, um, and increased momentum and interest in, in, in the urban market. Now, food halls, I, I think, are becoming a thing. We, we saw a few years ago, uh, a few of them open, you know, be it downtown. We saw Square One in Mississauga. We saw one open in uh, Newmarket, Ontario. Uh, it became a bit of a trend. Um, do you think that we'll continue to see uh, food halls opening as, as, as part of a retail mix here in Canada in different cities? 
I think we will see food halls uh, continue. Uh, however, uh, they don't work everywhere. So I, I think it became trendy, the whole uh, vernacular and, and moving from uh, the term food court to, to food hall or food market became very popular. Uh, and the truth is, we, we've, we were probably a little bit behind in terms of development of, of food halls in Canada relative to other uh, countries in Europe and Asia and, and, and down in the US. Uh, and, and we're starting to catch up a little bit. However, this is not a one-size-fits-all uh, solution for a development. Um, you know, in my estimation, no two food halls should be the same. Each one should be uh, unique and should be based largely on the, the demographics of the, of the area, the location, um, you know, the, the development within which it, it sits. Uh, and food halls don't always work. So they really need to be analyzed properly in advance of, of planning for it and, and constructing a food hall to, to understand if, it, if it's even the right solution for, uh, for a given development. Uh, where it is, uh, it could be an amazing amenity and, and uh, it could be, uh, you know, a, a destination for people coming from all over the place if it's done properly. Are there any global food halls you can think of that would be these best case examples? I, I know that a lot of brokerages and professionals, you know, look, look internationally for inspiration. It, to me, you know, the, the one-off uh, markets that you find in, in Spain or Portugal or, or in Asia are, are, are the most special or, or, you know, old school food markets like, like the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul. Um, however, th there's been success with, with operators of food halls, you know, whether it's urban space, you know, down in New York or, or timeout market, you know, based in, in Lisbon, who's sort of expanded globally. So they've, they've taken certain elements and, and certain offerings, whether it's young chefs, uh, you know, or other concepts. And, uh, and it's, it's worked really well. But again, I, I think where you're going to see some of these chains or global brands start to slow down is, is, you know, where they just start to plug and play and it's not customized to the area and the development within which it's situated. That makes a lot of sense. Um... Let's talk a little bit about downtown Toronto for a moment. There's a very notable project at the corner of Young and Bloor called The One. And uh, it's going to have a retailer at the base. And it's going to have some very, very expensive condominiums near the top of the building. I, I saw a couple of units approaching $40 million that are currently on the market. But there's also going to be a hotel. Now, the Bahar Group was involved in the Andaz Hotel deal. And we put an article in Retail Insider about it a while ago. I have to go back and check exactly when that article went out. But uh, Anything you can share about this uh, exciting deal in downtown Toronto? Well, I spend a lot of time at uh, Young and Bloor and in the Bloor Yorkville area, so I've had an opportunity to to watch this development uh, uh, go under construction, and I think it's up to around eleven or twelve stories now above grade. So it's definitely well out of the ground, and I think it's going to be a very special development. Uh, the, the developer uh, Sam Isra, he truly is a visionary and. and the quality of what he's doing there. I've done some construction tours as well. Uh, the quality appears to be you know, off the charts amazing. Uh, when we uh, got involved, um, Sam had planned for you know uh, upwards of 10 stories of, of, of retail commercial, quote unquote. And uh, we came in with, with a proposed solution to, to plug most of that. And, and the, the solution, as you know, and you've written about, was bringing in a, a, a global branded you know, world-class hotel. And uh, the Andaz is, is sort of the lifestyle boutique brand, five plus star in this case uh, of Hyatt Hotels out of Chicago. And, uh, you know, long story short, we were able to put the deal together uh, and essentially absorb levels four through 17 
of, of that development, three and four being food and beverage leading up to a, a fifth floor lobby, you know, and, and then, um, and then from levels 18 and up will be uh, luxury residential. So we, we figure out a way to integrate really nicely into what's going to be an iconic, you know, design as well, the, 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 you know, the Foster's design with the Exco skeleton and obviously a, like a, a global, you know, retailer on grade. I've, I've seen that space as well. It's, it's, it's truly magical. So we, we think that the ecosystem there is going to be terrific. And we think it's going to continue to enhance the Young and Bloor intersection in Toronto, which is already a very, very special uh, intersection and, 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 and truly is the nexus of, you know, the, the two major streets, the subway line, but, but you know, Bloor Street with, with the Bloor West dynamic and then, and then Young Street being, you know, kind of like the Broadway of, of Canada, but in many ways, even more so just given, you know, the length and the dynamics that Young Street has to offer. That's right. That's right. And the other, you know, corners in that intersection, we've got Lululemon coming, we've got a Nordstrom Rack, which has been there for a few years. And uh, at some point, there will be something to replace a shuttered Hudson's Bay department store that was on the uh, Northeast corner. We think it's going to continue to get better. And, and um, you know, there's a, there's a mini path system in, in that area as well, which, you know, in, in, in Toronto has proven to be very successful. So we think there's uh, there's so many great elements to um, to that development and, and to the neighborhood in general, and, and you're going to see increased development uh, going forward. Excellent. Now, in terms of the Bihar Group, are there any other notable uh, recent transactions you want to mention that you are you know obviously permitted to talk about? I can say that the activity level of our team has been remarkable. Um, 2021, um, still in the sort of midst of the pandemic, uh, we completed more transactions uh, as a company, as a team than we ever have. Uh, and those transactions uh, ranged across asset classes, as mentioned earlier, you know, with the majority still being squarely based in the, in the retail uh, landscape. And, you know, that's really the heart blood, um, you know, of what we, of what we do. Um, but it is also very exciting to see some tremendous urban street front building sales, investment property sales, and land sales really spreading across the GTA and the province um, in general. Uh, so it's um, it's really a, an exciting time for us. You know, the the Bahar Group heading into the pand- pandemic was, you know, um, we just basically took over ownership of the company coming up on five years ago, me and Avi. Uh, the succession plan, which took a, two, a few years to come together, um, finally came to fruition in September of 2017. And uh, then we went ahead and opened a downtown office and started adding people and infrastructure and professionalizing all aspects of our operation. And um, and then the pandemic hit and it, it was battle measures and to make sure that uh, we survived as a small business. And what I would like to say is that, you know, not only have we survived, but as I reported, we've really thrived because people looked for a home, you know, and our environment uh, proved to be really nurturing for a lot of people within brokerage who were looking for something a little bit more supportive, a little bit more boutique and curated curated to their needs and their individual business plans. So we've been able to add some amazing support staff as well as some amazing brokers with with deep experience as well as adding people who are newer to the uh, industry. So it's, it's really exciting times ahead. Um, for us. And uh, I look forward to being able to doing a podcast with you, you know, maybe next year or the year after and announce some of the big transactions that we're working on. Just to hint at some of the uh, the obvious food and beverage um, 
transactions that we we kind of alluded to earlier. We, you know, it, it's special to me that we've we've been able to put together deals for for signature restaurants, a, a lot of them, um, over the the past year or two, and um, you know, some of them are still kind of being being finalized and wrapped up. So to Greg's point, we we can't um, announce too many, but uh, hopefully in an upcoming podcast we'll be able to. But just to throw you know one of them out there, we we've done a deal for um, with uh, Nick DiDonato at Liberty Entertainment uh, Group for uh, Don Alfonso, which has been ranked as as the number one Italian restaurant uh, in the world, and and uh, we did a deal at the the rooftop of the Westin Harbor Castle down on Queens Key, and uh, it, it felt like an episode of Restaurant Makeover almost because he wanted to have it open in thirty to sixty days. Um, and, uh, and lo and behold, he did it. He had a, a dinner for, uh, for Mayor Tory at, at the end of June, and he was actually able to get this thing constructed and built out and, and opened. And um, it, it, it sort of coincided with Michelin uh, announcing that they're now uh, in Canada. And so who knows? Uh, Don Alfonso has, has won Michelin stars in Italy. So the, perhaps this, that, that could be the first one here in Canada. And um, the other announcement we could make is we we've signed uh we've signed a deal to bring uh, a, a brazilian uh churrascaria steakhouse to canada <clears throat> actually the, the the largest um brazilian steakhouse chain in the world called fogo de chao and we've signed a, a, a 10 store uh agreement uh with them and uh we're just finalizing the first the first couple deals one, one in toronto one in vancouver so so that's exciting as well and uh and more to come amazing amazing and um my last question basically is what do we see in terms of um, predictions around retail and leasing of commercial space as we head into the fall uh, here in, in Canada, or at least in the GTA in Southern Ontario? Well, I'll say that I think that um, there's a real risk of, of being influenced by um, fear mongering news reporting. Uh, the market in, in the GTA in Ontario is, is very strong still. Um, the appetite for, uh, acquisition, appetite for opening new businesses is very strong. Um, rental rates, uh, lease rates in the GTA and retail have actually climbed substantially over the, the pandemic as the inventory has been absorbed. And because of the construction costs and delays in development, there's not a lot of new inventory that's uh, coming online. So, I mean, I, I foresee, uh, a lot of the same, you know, a competitive, frankly, landlord market um, where, where retail rents are high and it's uh, competitive, especially for food and beverage and hospitality uses. Uh, when we talk about retail, traditional retail, uh, fashion um, retail, I think that the, the better enclosed shopping centers are still going to, um, they're going to recover, whereas the neighborhood retail service commercial uses are the ones that are um, that are going to continue to thrive, whether they be restaurant hospitality or medical or fitness. Um, those type of uses are going to continue to um, cater to the everyday needs of the consumers. Craig, I, I, you know, I consider myself to be an optimistic realist. Uh, you know, I, I try to stay grounded and 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 look at the reality of what's happening, but always with a, with an optimistic spin. I, I guess I look at the, the the half a glass that's full, not the half a glass that's empty. And I hope to some degree that that permeates throughout our our organization and our company. We were sort of known for our culture. Um, you know, when I look at at the economy, I look at, at Toronto. Obviously, the reality is uh, that that 
you know, uh, the economy moves in cycles. And, uh, and we've seen sort of a, a, you know, it heavily weighted in one direction for, for a long period of time. So I understand that. But I also understand that um, it, it's based on supply and demand. And we've all seen the articles about, you know, the crane counts in, in Toronto. You know, with the, I, think, I think this year there's 250 cranes in Toronto. And, and number two in North America is L.A. with around 51. Um, so there's enormous amounts of construction, enormous amounts of development. People continue to move here, and you know the economy is is still moving forward. And I believe there's going to be continued demand. And, and to Greg's point, uh, you're going to see uh, landlords being resilient, uh, landlords being creative, you know, tenants being creative, and, and deals are going to continue to happen. So you know, I, I'm very optimistic. I think we need to stay positive. We need to stay active. We need to work. Uh, and we need to work within our passions and, and those things that we love to do. And, and then things are going to be great. It's terrific. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us today. And congratulations to the Bahar Group for 30 years. It's wonderful news. Time flies when you're having fun, Craig. Thanks very much for having us. Thanks so much, Craig. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. This has been Avi Bahar, the chairman and CEO of the Bahar Group, as well as Greg Evans. He's president and broker of record of the Bahar Group. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. I'm your host, Craig Patterson. Take care and bye for now.